Hello there, this is Cassia. This is Coden. Welcome to The Ebon Hawk, a podcast where we discuss Star Wars, the Knights of the Old Republic games, and proposed movie adaptation, as well as Star Wars news. This is episode 1.5. This is where the Jedi quest begins. In case you're living under a rock, there was a little big trailer for Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker. We thought it would be fun, maybe not to do a breakdown. Maybe it'll end up being a breakdown, but we kind of just wanted to kind of go through it and kind of note some of the good shots, give our thoughts, impressions, and feelings on the, on the trailer, and kind of go from there. One thing I noticed when the trailer started is Lucasfilm, there was no glitter anymore. I, I kind of missed that. Honestly, no. I don't know if they're going for a new look or if they just... Maybe it's been gone for a while and I didn't notice, but eh, at least Lucas's name is still there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we start out with Finn talking about the Force and how it brought them together, which is interesting coming from... Someone I assume is a non-Jedi. Throughout the trailer, there's... I, I couldn't find the, the names of the worlds, but there's like a jungle world, a rain world, a desert world, and an ice world. It would be interesting if the ice world and the, and the rain world end up being the same planet. But maybe they're different, so... We kind of have a jungle world, kind of like a forest moon of Endor stand-in. Uh, desert, basically, Tatooine, Geonosis, or, or Jakku. Then Ice, we have something standing in for Hoth. And then kind of finally a, a prequel kind of era world, kind of like Kamino. Do you know what those worlds are? I was doing a little bit of my own research, and I, I stumbled across a couple really interesting things. One... I mean, we're most likely returning to Endor for, uh, you know, for the wrecked Death Star 2. Also, with the forest moon, now there, there's there's talk about the state of Endor, so that could be Endor, but at the same time, it we could be going back to Yavin or to that, that planet that Maz is from. I can't remember that planet. But it's possible that Taconda, I believe. Yeah, I'd have Taconda, to. Yeah, I'd have to look it up. But we could be going back there since that's kind of a new Star Wars established planet, or it could be something totally new. I mean, for the most part, we haven't seen them return to a pre-established planet in any yeah. of these new movies. No, I wonder if that's a copyright issue. It'd be interesting to know. Um, but one world I, I really wouldn't be surprised if we saw if we saw Batu just kind of get that connection there. And you can be like, go to Batu where they go in Rise of Skywalkers and fly the Millennium Falcon just like Ray, Chewie, Poe, and Finn do. You know? Uh -huh. I could see that happening. Then as the trailer goes on, I notice there is a Mon Calamari there. I had to look up his name. It looks like he is Admiral Akbar's son named Aftab. I presume he's there because uh, Disney realized a lot of fans got mad that a beloved character was kind of unceremoniously killed off. I mean, he's famous. Like, It's a Trap is like a meme. It was kind of sad just to have Admiral Akbar die in, like, the first five minutes of The Last Jedi. So, hopefully, Aftab is here to stay, and perhaps he'll be 
promoted to Admiral Aftab, uh, and he can say it's a frap, or <laughs> it's a crap, or it's a crapshoot. I don't know something that rhymes with trap. You know. Yeah, I mean, I know from Return of the Jedi, Admiral Akbar didn't really have much of any good lines, and then when they brought him back for the Force Awakens, he had basically all of his lines were just running meme lines trying to be funny like i think one of his lines from the force awakens was they they had to find some way for him to be like there's no way to penetrate the shield which is basically one of the things that he says in return of the jedi and i hope that they don't just bring him back almost like a jar jar binks move i don't think so but rest in peace admiral akbar we miss you uh, Rose appears in the trailer. We'll see what happens with the character, how much of a screen presence she has. I love the actress, and I I don't like the hate she's received. We'll just see how that unfolds in Rise of Skywalker. I'm curious to see if they're still going to like try and develop a relationship between her and Finn, because of how they ended the last movie, where they just saw things very different and yeah i mean like finn was ready to go he was he was ready to you know basically commit this ultimate sacrifice that probably would have won them that battle and then you know she interrupts him and nearly gets them both killed stopping him so it was a totally like dumb move yeah i'm curious to see if like they're they're gonna make up for that you know somehow or yeah or if they're going to just completely split arcs. She definitely thinks she's in a relationship. Who knows if Finn thinks they are, but yeah. But one thing I noticed is uh, Poe, he hasn't really gotten much screen time. I think like in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, he only has something like 20 minutes of screen time. So he doesn't get to do much, but at least he looks good doing it. I kind of noticed when he's on the desert planet, he kind of looks a little bit like Nathan Drake from the Uncharted series with the scarf and the regalia. But one thing I kind of was thinking about during this trailer is with the original trilogy, you had a distinct main three. You had Luke, you had Leia, and you had Han. And within the first movie, the pieces came together, they met, and they spent time on the Death Star developing a relationship and getting to know each other. And then they break apart, go their different ways in Empire Strikes Back, and then they come back together in Return of the Jedi. And you're invested in them as a trio in movie one. And with the prequels, it's a little bit different because you have Qui-Gon Jinn in episode one, but you kind of have Qui-Gon slash Obi-Wan and Anakin and Padme as kind of the main three there. And then you see Obi-Wan and Anakin as Master and Padawan at the beginning. It establishes it, and then they meet up with Padme, and then you kind of see them all interact Kind of awkwardly, not gonna lie. And then Obi-Wan goes his own way and Anakin and Padme kind of go their own way together. And then they kind of come back together in three. But in episode one, you're invested in them all together. But in The Force Awakens, the only two characters that really spend a whole lot of time together are Rey and Finn. Uh, and Finn spends a little bit of time with Poe. You think he's dead, and then he's not. Uh, and then they all kind of go their own separate ways again, like a day later. And then Finn leaves, and Poe's kind of just doing his own thing, and Ray's just on an island with Luke Skywalker. Poe and Ray don't even meet until the end of episode eight. And now we're approaching the last movie of this trilogy. And the trio of, I suppose, Ray, Finn, and Poe haven't even spent, like, five minutes together, and I'm supposed to be invested in this trio. And I just think that's not the best way to write 
a trilogy. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there is just kind of an identity crisis with you know these three movies. I mean, I think you know the the character that probably spends the most time with Ray is actually Chewbacca. <laughs> Disney kind of treats him like a dog. Right. Just like a dog with no feelings, he doesn't get the falcon. He's kind of just there for comic relief. Well, and and the droids were the same way too. You know, the droids tagged along with Luke, Chewbacca tagged along with Han. Now is tagging along with Ray. My, I'm curious. You know, from the trailer we we're looking at, Ray and Kylo Ren, what well, looks like them working together. I'm curious to know how long that's going to span the movie if it's going to be at the beginning if it's going to be like this awakening for kylo ren to be like you know what i'm doing the wrong thing i'll join ray or is it the other way around ray's thinking you know what i don't have any ties with the resistance i'm going to join kylo ren you know what it would be interesting to see ray go evil and kylo go good i guess (laughs) it's I mean, I, I could see it going a couple different ways. You know, I think Ray can potentially be a more evil character than Kylo Ren. It'd be interesting. This trailer makes it seem like maybe like she's not all that bad, but she does go off on and do her own thing. Yeah. And it's possible that maybe Kylo is more just against, you know, the resistance because... Han and Luke were part of the resistance, so maybe, maybe he joins up with Ray because it's a it's a cause that they both agree with, and they're no longer part of the resistance. Yeah. And you know, and at that point, like, where where do Ray's ties really tie down to? I mean, gray style Jedi that Disney kind of wants to advertise, and you know, maybe they just meet in the middle and they split off on their own story arc like yeah you know kind of how the rest of the franchise has been doing since uh the force awakens it'd be interesting speaking of ray and kylo uh the next part of the trailer is ray saying like everyone thinks they know me but they don't like yeah and i'm kind of like well that's kind of the same for the audience we don't really know much about her she's still a mystery all these movies in Kylo says, but I do. Now, whatever ends up happening, I don't know if, like, Rey and Kylo are meant to be enemies, allies, love interests, all of the above, something else entirely, but whatever ends up happening, like, I just think it is an interesting dynamic. It's probably, uh, from 7 and 8, the most interesting thing to watch. The most interesting aspect and it looks like they'll be fighting again and it sounds like from the promotion that they've really been working hard harder than they did ever before like in seasons or not seasons episodes seven and eight so i'm just hoping for it's probably an unrealistic hope but i'd really just love a lightsaber battle on par with Anakin versus Obi-Wan because I just think it had the right mix of like action kind of looking like a dance of light you know and like the emotion behind it Mm -hmm. but what kind of battle are you expecting you know I'm I'm not one of the things is you know between Obi-Wan and Anakin there is so much to that fight you've got two people that are total best friends Mm -hmm. and Anakin turning and them having to confront each other and fight you know it's a fight that they both knew were coming when they made that realization of that turn and and on top of that i i just think that the the people that on the production standpoint the people that they hired to do the fighting choreography were a lot more in tune with like attention to detail compared to the people and action choreography yeah, you know, with these new movies, you look at the the sword fighting styles and there there really isn't a whole lot of choreography to it. And at the same time, yeah. a lot of 
the parries and the strikes are very unrealistic. And so when you're not really paying attention, it looks flashy and it looks fine. But when you're really looking at how, say like from the, from the last movie, the, when they take on the... Praetorian guards. Right, the Praetorian guards. One of, the, one of two things. One, the Praetorian guards were just trash at, you know, at their duty of guarding snow. Probably because they couldn't see <laughs> out of their helmets. Yeah. But yeah, you can kind of tell like uh, Daisy Ridley, it looks like she missed a mark. Um, and I think they just should have used a different take where she made the mark, you know? And then you kind of see some some clips where this guy has two knives until he has one because or else he could have killed Ray, you know? I don't doubt that they'll think that they have a really cool battle between the two yeah. of them. I'm just, I'm not expecting very much because from what they've delivered from The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi have been very um, uneducated with the sword fights. Yeah. And for... As much as people say, like, the battles from the prequels only looked cool, they looked cool, but they also had a lot of, like, thought behind them. Like, Duel of Fates, Qui-Gon was leading Darth Maul to a narrow, like, a narrow area so it could be contained. And so he could focus, you know? Yeah. And uh, Episode 3, Anakin and Obi-Wan, it doesn't just look cool, like, Anakin and Obi-Wan, like, you can see Anakin has the upper ground and Obi-Wan is barely hanging on throughout the whole thing. And he's just, like, very defensive, trying to figure out a way to get through. And you can tell these are brothers, like, old master and apprentice just going at it. Like, no seat belts at all, you know? Uh-huh. Well, yeah, and Obi-Wan's a, a naturally defensive fighter. And yeah. Anakin is, is all about you know, offense is the best defense. And so, yeah, and you can see that through the entire Jedi battle of Obi-Wan just, you know, parry, 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 you know, Anakin strike, strike, strike. And uh, and then, you know, finally there's a point where Obi-Wan sees the perfect shot and takes it and wins the battle. Yeah. Because, I mean, the, the in Episode Eight, it's kind of just more about turning on a lightsaber strategically. Like, that can be cool, but I also like to have, like, I don't know, using an activated lightsaber strategically, you know? Mm-hmm. But I guess we can move on uh, to other cool-looking shots. I just have to note that 51 seconds into the final trailer, there's a beautiful shot of what I assume is an ice harbor, like, scene in reflection in a sea. It looks, it looks really nice. Like, I want to go there, you know? It looks cool. Yeah, I'd love to go there. It's a beautiful shot. I hope it's not in space and it's a floating ice planet because planets are supposed to be spherical, but, you know, whatever. And then we have a shot of the throne of Palpatine. One cool thing I, I noticed is, like, it's made to look like Ralph McQuarrie's original concept art for the Emperor's throne room which was originally going to be on a lava planet in Return of the Jedi, but they ended up changing it to aboard the Death Star. And then, like, the throne was a little bit more of a swivel chair. And it's, it's kind of funny because it's, it's like Emperor Palpatine's, you know, favorite armchair that you see from Revenge of the Sith and you see it again in Return of the Jedi. Or technically you see it in Return of the Jedi first, but you see that he's had a chair just like it all those years which is really yeah i'll have to rewatch that that's funny mm-hmm. um so he does love something um and then we see the shot of a star destroyer coming out of the water it looks like icy water which reminds me that the enterprise came out of the water in a kind of similar shot in star trek into darkness what that was also directed by jj abrams mm-hmm. i guess he's kind of Copying himself. I mean, if it worked once, you know, it can work twice. Lightning I'm, strikes twice. It's yeah. a it's an interesting shot. The Imperial class Star Destroyer ones. 
aren't very well structurally sound. And so for one of those to be submerged underwater is pretty questionable. Yeah, but I don't think anyone's thinking this through. So Um, just kidding. This is being thought through. But I just think if Lucas were in more of an executive producer capacity, that he could kind of explain some of these things a bit more. Then we come to a whole lot of ships, like ships on top of ships on top of ships. Like, if you think it, there's a ship there. There's probably a kitchen sink. There had better be a kitchen sink. The intro to Revenge of the Sith had a kitchen sink. Everyone has mentioned Ghost. The ship Ghost from Star Wars Rebels is in there. And Ghost was also already seen in Rogue One. So... We got some continuity there. That That's cool. We also have a hammerhead that was also first seen in Knights of the Old Republic and also Rogue One. So that is pretty cool. And then we have Princess Leia's style of ship, you know, within there. And whatever that one's called, I kind of forget. I always just call it the Tantivive. So the, the Ten of Four and the and the Princess Leia, Leia ship is the same as the CR-90. Mm-hmm. But they also have in there the you get like a straight on shot of the Nebulon B or also the medical frigate. Oh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. It's it's a little bit you you actually see two of them, but they're a little bit hard to see because you're looking at a straight on front shot, and kind of what what really is iconic with the Nebulon B is you got like the really large front end, and then you got like the really skinny. Um, yeah. structure and then you've got the engines in the back yeah and all you so, see is that front arc there yeah so it's massive and there's a whole lot of ships like once we see the final movie i'm foreseeing a lot of people are just gonna pause that and people are probably gonna like be finding even more ships like a year out probably that's that's my guess yeah, I think the ghost got like the most attention just because of Star Wars Rebels. I think it's ghost. Come on, yeah. The more interesting detail is if they're going to bring that character that pilots the ghost into the film. Hera, yeah, she she was mentioned in Rogue One, so maybe we could see her son Jason, who is uh, Hera and uh, Kanan's son. He's half human, half Twi'lek, so. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's another character to introduce to a film that's closing out a franchise, you know, which... I, yeah, he could the... just be a cameo, but yeah. people who care would, could know who he is. And they're already bringing in, as at least as far as cameo is concerned, uh, Wedge Antilles. Yeah, who, ha- who didn't make it uh, to episode 7 and 8. He's probably like, I'll come back, but you can't kill me off. And they're... I'd be curious to see if he reprises his role as Rogue Leader. Or the if uh, Poe is gonna do that, who knows? <laughs> right, if they if they re-promote Poe, or if they bring in Wedge to take basically his old spot back, that would be cool. So speaking of ships and X-wings, or ships destroyed in the past by X-wings, the Death Star is kind of friggin' intact. Like I thought that. There was a nuclear explosion. It was pretty much disintegrated, but here it is on the ocean planet looking pretty okay. Like Ray and Kylo are just kind of recreating shots from Return of the Jedi in the Emperor's throne room. I think the throne is even still there. So How did that happen? So I, like, I've looked at some ideas that seem pretty plausible. As far as the throne being mostly intact that's a bit far-fetched but as far as the um, laser arc being Mm -hmm. mostly intact it's not that far off because when you know when wedge blows up the reactor of the death star 2 you know everything that was near the core would have just been instantly vaporized but it's still it's still an explosion so the the outer shell of the death star would have been propelled into you know every different direction that the explosion arced out from and so so for example that laser dish smashing into endor isn't that far-fetched 
Um, but having a ton of like Death Star fragments on Endor, you know, just with particles entering the atmosphere, a lot of a lot of the Death Star should be vaporized by Endor's atmosphere before it hits yeah. the ground. But for a size something that large, wouldn't be that wouldn't be that far fetched. I guess so. It's just I don't know. Like looking at the explosion, it just you got the feeling like nothing survived but yeah. i guess we'll we'll see if they get into that at all in episode nine mm-hmm. so c3po the music starts to get really good as c3po says he's looking at his friends for the last time i just want to mention this about the music it for me the music in this trailer is probably the best thing to happen in star wars since i would say Rogue One. It's John Williams theme, like, and after the minute 23 seconds mark, it's a kind of a recreation, a reinterpretation, if you will, of John Williams theme done by Blake Robinson and the horns uh, and the choir. It just soars. The music soars. It's what Star Wars canon should be. Uh, It's recognizable triumphant phenomenal like just listening to it like it just makes me emotional and i i I love listening to it that's that's what star wars should be and i i just wanted to mention that blake robinson did an excellent job but coming back to c3po he says he's looking at his friends for the last time but like did they even share a scene did the characters like poe finn and ray share scenes C-3PO. I mean, maybe maybe Poe and C-3PO. Hmm. Not not Finn and Rey. Yeah. That's something I, I kind of notice happens a lot with, like, films nowadays. I remember watching Spectre, and the villain in that rep says that he, he's going by Blofeld now. And it's played like that James Bond should be scared at what that name means, but that name means literally nothing to James Bond. Uh-huh. And like the studio directors are kind of counting on the audience to be like, oh, that's the villain from all the old James Bond movies names, you know? And it's cool for the audience, but like if the character, if it doesn't mean anything to the character, it really doesn't mean much to the story. So if like C3PO doesn't really share these scenes with Ray or Finn or Poe, like it might sound nice, but it might not be true within the story. Like I don't really believe like C3PO is their friend. Like if anyone's his friend, it, it would be like Padme or Anakin or Master Luke, you know, mm-hmm. or Leia and. Or Han, but I mean Han and Luke aren't really around. And and Han and C three PO. I mean I don't think C three PO hated Han, but Han sure hated C three PO. Ah, yeah. <laughs> the uh, you know I think I think what they're going for is a similar mark that Harry Potter hit, where the scene that Dobby dies um, yeah. in Harry's arms, and he has that line where he's like, "It's nice to die with friends." Yeah. You know, I think they're going for get that. the heartstrings, right? Because that was a very powerful moment in Harry Potter. But again, like it's it's missing what Harry Potter had. Like Harry and Dobby shared... had a good relationship going back to the second movie. Yeah, and it was defined even more so in the books. Definitely. So when that when that finally happened, it was it was powerful. It was heartbreaking. And in Star Wars, it's like, meh. I don't even care about. Ray or Poe or Finn, any of these guys, like, what? what is this line? Yeah. It, it is interesting, because I think, like, Star Wars was originally written, like, the as the Journal of the Wills. It was, and, like, how the story of Star Wars got to our galaxy within a draft was through C-3PO and R2-D2 telling the story of what happened, and it was called The Journey of the Wills. That's why it says a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Mm -hmm. And, like, so 
I don't think they can get rid of C-3PO, but maybe they just ran out of, like, human characters to kill off. <laughs> Which is sad. Oh, and also there's a battle droid behind C-3PO. So hmm. everyone's mentioned that. We might as well mention it. There is, in fact, a battle droid. I completely but, missed it. Yep. It's kind of out of focus, but it is there. And I just hope that there's more than just, like, kind of, like, stuff you have to see in the background referencing the prequels. If this is the ninth movie, kind of, like, ending the movie, like, trilogy of trilogies, I think that there should be more interconnecting tidbits and arcs rather than just a random Easter egg, you know, mm -hmm. occasionally. It looks like Leia's hug happens again and i think that might be one of carrie fisher's only scenes sadly i did notice that the trailer ended up being released on uh the late and great carrie fisher's birthday that was a nice touch and she also has top billing i believe it's the first time maybe besides rogue one that a female like has or i should say an actress <laughs> Uh, has top billing in a Star Wars film. So that's interesting. And then we have uh, the horses. Maybe they're trying to say something that has kind of been said before with the Gungans versus the droid army and the Ewoks versus the Empire that nature will win over technology. But I, I, I don't know. I, these horses just don't really look Star Wars to me. And they're just galloping on top of Star Destroyers. It's, it's just a no from me. What's different about how it's been done in the past is both the Gungans and the Ewoks were fighting to take back their homeland. Like the the Ewoks is a, is a great example where like they're a very capable race, but it took that little bit of rebellion kind of like know-how and insight to the empire to get gain that upper hand and win the battle of endor whereas yeah. you know the gungans were going to get slaughtered had the joy control ship not been blown out of the sky yeah but from the newer movies where they had like the the horse racing you know they're trying to have this like animal like this anti-animal cruelty stint but yeah but there's really no use that these animals have other than, you know, being the vessel for these guys to, you know, and for this new movie's example to bring down the Star Destroyer, which, you know, whoever the captain of that Star Destroyer is, all he has to do is hit the throttle and everybody's off that Star Destroyer. I hope no horses, no space horses are harmed in the making of this movie. Just the last thing I wanted to mention is... Do you think Rey and Kylo are working together to destroy Vader's helmet? Or do you think they're fighting? Or is that not, in fact, Vader's helmet? So I don't think it's Vader's helmet. I uh, I do think it's some Sith entity, but not Vader's helmet. From the shot in the film, it looks like a... I mean, it could be like some Sith bioprojection that reacts when a lightsaber makes you know connects with it. Because it, it almost makes kind of an obsidian shatter effect yeah. when they hit it with their lightsabers. And that makes sense to me as in in other lore, like more of a uh, of like a horror lore. Yeah. Like, I mean, for example, if we were to say like a lightsaber is holy and a, you know, this artifact is evil, the act of of connecting this holy object to this evil object would cause the evil object to implode. And that's kind of what I'm seeing this as, yeah. as by them striking it with these lightsabers, it just, you know, it shatters, it blows it up. But is that Vader's helmet? There's really no evidence suggesting that it is. Mm -hmm. And Kylo Ren had possession of the helmet and is on his personal star destroyer so where they were at looks more like the interior of a Corellian vessel like the tan of four 
mm-hmm. and not the interior of an Imperial Star Destroyer. Yeah. So closing, what are your thoughts, hopes, and fears for episode nine? I mean, I hope it I hope it cleans it up. Like I hope it gives it a good closer to the saga. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think the damage has been done to the saga and so basically this is gonna just hopefully wrap it up and you know, tie it off and then we can worry about other Star Wars content down the road. Yeah. I think it has some all right potential, but with what jj abrams is kind of left with it's it just he has to it, finish what he started yeah i just hope it makes sense you know <laughs> at this point yeah uh my hope just the major thing i would love to see is just return of hating christensen as anakin because if palpatine <laughs> is returning i would just love to see anakin again one rumor is that talking about an an obi-wan series with ian mcgregor it's also mm-hmm. possible we're going to see Ian McGregor as a Force ghost in Star Wars 9. But he's supposed to be Alec Guinness. Right, but there there have been some floating talk around that uh-huh. he's going to be Force ghost Obi-Wan. So, so people complain if it's a young Anakin, but they won't if it's a young Obi-Wan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's nothing they can do about Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness is, you know, rest in peace. But yeah. But I think having a young Anakin as a Force ghost, it's like you've seen and identified with like Hayden Christensen as Anakin. So it, it just makes a little bit more sense to see a young Anakin before you turn to the dark side as a Force ghost. But that's not the point of what I was trying to go for. But I'd love to see Anakin return because he's the chosen one. Uh, the, he's the OG Skywalker, you know? That would be an interesting arc to see anakin or darth vader spent so much time around the emperor all those years and it would be interesting to have kind of that consulting moment of hey we have this you know the emperor's back what are we going to do with him and then anakin be like this is this is what i observed in all the years and at the time i wasn't strong enough to take on the emperor by myself this is how you do it yeah ruin his uh his armchair and then he'll get angry and then throw him down a shaft and he'll die or something (laughs) i am also glad that uh lucas is back to help out with nine i think he should have been not in like a writer director capacity for uh seven and eight but i think he should have at least been consulted or like had an ep credit executive producer but I think he just should have been involved, so I'm glad that they are consulting him and kind of saying, like, how does a Star Wars work, you know? How would you do this? What do these characters do, you know? So I'm glad about that. One fear I have is that I haven't read any spoilers at all whatsoever. I'm not interested in that. I just want to see it the first time without knowing anything in theaters. But I just hope that Kylo doesn't save Rey and redeem himself, but die defeating Palpatine. And then Rey is left to start the Jedi or whatever she wants to start. And that's how we leave because that's how Return of the Jedi ended is Vader redeemed himself by saving Luke from Palpatine, killing Palpatine and dying in the process. And Luke was left to start the Jedi, and that's how Return of the Jedi ended. But if that's how Nine ends, it's like, why? <laughs> what if it's <laughs> why the bring way all these characters back? Uh, why bring Palpatine back just to be killed by characters we don't know or love as much, and then have like Han, Luke, and all these other characters killed? And like, some might argue like their characters were kind of reverted back to who they were, or changed. Um, and I just don't want that to happen. But remember, it's not about dying for what you believe in. It's about saving what you love. I guess so. So what if Kylo is about to sacrifice himself to defeat the Emperor and then Ray like stops him and says, no, I love you. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, that, that might be just a little bit, a bit too much for me. But I suppose we'll just have to... Be in suspense until December 20th. 
All right, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk about the Evan Hawk. As this is the title of our podcast, the Evan Hawk is the ship that they use from the video game, The Knights of the Old Republic. It's a vehicle kind of similar to kind of the role of the Millennium Falcon. It was kind of the core ship that takes the characters from point to point. Even, even its history of the ship is very similar to the Millennium Falcon. The pre-KOTOR existence is it was kind of passed between pilot to pilot as whether it was involved with smuggling or crime, it was it was just kind of involved with that. Always of, involved with the exchange. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was owned by several different pilots, none of which were really all that important up to... Revan. I mean, if I were to start listing off some of these pilots' names, there really isn't anybody that comes to mind that is a real standout in the Star Wars universe. But Revan uses it for a long time. He, he obviously used it throughout the video game. But after the video game, he, he kind of does a similar journey that the Emperor Palpatine takes, where he goes to the Unknown Regions in search for the Sith. And that's ultimately where he loses possession of the Ebon Hawk, where it gets picked up again eventually by... It gets picked up again by the Exile, but it's just kind of a ship that passes hands yeah. until Surik picks it up. Amitra Surik, yeah, the Exile. Yeah, and we were kind of thinking we wanted to go over what the Ebon Hawk is because since our podcast has been launched, uh, we've received a lot of positive feedback, but... A lot of people have asked me, like, what's an Ebon Hawk? So we just wanted to explain. And one thing I learned, I thought Ebon was just a made-up word. Like, kind of like, you know, you sometimes get, like, made-up Star Wars words. Like, Anakin's made up, Luke's kind of real world. But Ebon actually means dark brown or black, like ebony. So if you ever want to play a game, just kind of get, like... It's kind of like the Millennium Falcon. You just get, like, an adjective plus bird... So you have, like, the Shining Phoenix or the Gleaming Osprey, you know? Yeah, ultimately the ship was created by Bioware to be the vehicle of this game. Yeah. And when they when they get, came up with the title, the Ebon Hawk, uh, it was, you know, it was fashioned very similar to the Millennium Falcon, but, Definitely. you know, as, as iconic of a ship as the Millennium Falcon is, they didn't want to, like, outdo the title of the Millennium Falcon, so they um, they went with the Ebon Hawk, so, where it's not so kind of like infinite as Millennium, and you know if you compare like a Falcon and a Hawk, they're similar, but kind of the Falcon is a Falcon's one, better. It's yeah. yeah, it's like the King of the Sky, but I mean it's very interesting ship. It's it's the same. It's a similar style as the Millennium Falcon. It's not Krillian, but it is a yacht. It's, yeah. So kind of built to be kind of a space houseboat, good at smuggling. Yeah. Throughout KOTOR 1 and KOTOR 2, the Ebon Hawk is, like, in each game. So we're, like, there's some continuity there, you know? And in in KOTOR, the pilot is Cartho Nassi. I believe the co-pilot is Bastila. And then in KOTOR 2, I believe it is, the pilot is Atten Rand. And then, is it Kreia who is the co-pilot? I'm not that far into KOTOR 2 yet. Okay. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm late to the party, but I'm, I'm still playing the game. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Kreia, but if it's not, it's been a while, and we'll figure that out. <laughs> yeah. But, Like, I, I could yeah. I could scroll through the wiki, but... I, I think spoilers it's at that point. not as much of a top priority right now. But yeah, we noticed like some of the music in KOTOR. The music, like the Ebon Hawks theme is also the theme song that plays when you're on Tatooine. So that that's interesting. I think sometimes you have to be fiscally conservative, you know, like when you have to hit a certain deadline on a budget, you know, you have to be like, ah, maybe people won't notice that this is kind of a double dipping song. <laughs> well, a lot so. of the Star Wars games back in the day, old school LucasArts video games, they they did 
borrow most of the soundtrack off of the original films. The game that I yeah. used to play as a kid, uh, Rebel Assault 2, the entire soundtrack came from Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes yeah. Back. Um, it's smart. It's great music. It's already there. You don't need to do much, much else. Um, yeah. Then there would always be the music playing when you're... When you're in the Ebonhawk turrets bringing down the Sith fighters. Yeah. There's always that music playing. And then in KOTOR 2, you have the Ebonhawk riff. And then you have aboard the Ebonhawk. And, like, when you hear that song, it's like you're like, I know I'm playing uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2, the Sith Lords. Like, it just brings you back, like... I was going through the music, kind of just seeing what was there. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, I forgot this song, but I, I remember it. It's like, all the memories are there. And then there's also the intense and kind of dark battle of the Ebon Hawk. So my thoughts on the Ebon Hawk, the ship, are that it's, it's like a ship that feels like home. You know, like in Knights of the Old Republic, like, all your people are there, you know? You can talk to them, you can, like rest and recharge and when your teammates and you have to like come up with plans and strategize you usually do it a lot like the common room of the Ebon Hawk and if I had to choose like a ship I would almost maybe choose the Ebon Hawk over the Millennium Falcon like it's just kind of nostalgic to me yeah like uh, just thinking of like just kind of hanging out like in Knights of the Old Republic 1 then in Knights of the Old Republic 2, when you have to kind of, like, repair the ship after it's been through everything it went through in the Unknown Regions, like, you kind of get attached to it. Uh, what are your thoughts, Coden? Yeah, I mean, so just a little bit exterior, like, Bioware does a really great job with how they pace the video games. The Ebonhawk is a great place to actually just kind of relax like you you get all into some intense moments in kotor but you can always return to the Ebonhawk and just kind of take a breath and you don't have to you know you don't even have to turn the game off you can just kind of talk to the companions learn a little bit about them and then when you're ready to go you disembark the Ebonhawk and you progress to the story and as you kind of mentioned it does kind of bring about this feeling of home Mm-hmm. which is specific to the Ebonhawk. You know, the Millennium Falcon is kind of the iconic home ship of the original cast, but you really don't spend a ton of time in the Millennium Falcon in the movies. You go from, you know, Tatooine to the Death Star and the Death Star to Yevon 4, and then you spend some time in Empire Strikes Back from Hoth to Bespin, and then in Return of the Jedi, it's really only used when Lando's leading the assault on the Death Star 2. So yeah. it's more of just a, a figure in the background in the movies where the Ebon Hawk is your house. Yeah, I guess that's kind of why we, we named the podcast Ebon Hawk is like, it's it's used by the good guys. It's it's in both games, featured prominently. It's where people can rest and recharge, talk with their their friends, and you know it is the ship iconic to Kotor. Yeah, I I doubt it'll make an appearance in you know the upcoming Kotor series. Oh really? Well, it depends if if they're gonna follow if they're gonna kind of directly follow the story of Revan and Bastila, then it will. But yeah. if, if not, then I don't think so. I I don't I would hope to see it. I could understand if they wanted to make it look a little bit different from the Millennium Falcon, but I just think Ebon Hawk is a good name cuz I think it would be common for people in the Star Wars galaxy to name their ships after birds even even like in the future, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's possible, you know, very possible that we'll see other uh, 34 P- P7JKs or, you know, the Ebon Hawk. But, mm-hmm. but to see the Ebon Hawk would be, you know, I don't, I don't think is likely. Um, the YT-1300 or the Millennium Falcon is, I mean, it's an older freighter, but it's not like older public old. 
So I think to have like a Millennium Falcon or Y2-1300 cameo is a bit unlikely, but they might do it just, you know, because, you know, they, they want to have that connection. I think the characters have to get from planet to planet somehow. I just think it would be yeah. cooler if it was the Ebon Hawk. Mm-hmm. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. This has been Cassia. And this has been Coden. Uh, you can find me at uh, twitch.tv forward slash Coden Bond, where I'll be streaming upcoming Star Wars um, video games like Jedi Fallen Order. If you would like to contact me directly, uh, you can find me at Twitter at Coden Bond. And then if you want to email us your comments and questions, you can reach us at ebonhawkpodcast at gmail.com. I'm also at Instagram at ebonhawkpodcast. And our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Shoreman. He can be found at https uh, alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds. This has been episode 1.5 of the Ebon Hawk. Take care of yourself, meatbag, and may the force be with you. We will be back next week. Bye for now. <laughs>